Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone, the Bastards are back for a midweek edition of the podcast. We're going to be kind of covering a lot of Red Sox starting pitching content in this episode. We'll also get into some rules that are being implemented into the minor leagues, which could end up being at the big league level next year, mostly pertaining to the shift. That's a huge topic on social media right now. Joining me for this show, Charlie Smith, Job Goddard. And you know what? I just I just realized something prior to you guys coming into the thing. We are the three most negative hosts on this podcast, and here we are. (laughs) Yes, we are. Here we are. (laughs) Well, see, you know what's funny? What's funny is I almost feel like some are being negative by being too positive. Like, you're you're setting this team up for false hope. Like, don't do that. No, but but jokes aside, like, I know I've been a super, super negative Nancy, but it was justified last year, and I was right. And people said, no, Charlie, no. The Red Sox aren't going to lose that many games. And I said, you're obviously not watching the games because they don't have a team. And I was right. So this year, it's a little bit better. (laughs) But not by much. Are they going to be better, Charlie? They'll be a little bit better. They'll definitely win more games this year than they did last year, and they'll definitely lose more games this year than they than they lost last year. <laughs> I'm I'm still not sure what the predictions be yet, though. Bold predictions. A lot will matter with what happens with Chris Sale, because if he does not come back this year either, uh, I don't think we're going to win nearly as many games. Obviously, um, it's an ether. I don't know. We'll see. I don't really think that I'm a negative host, Terry. I think that just I I contradict Andrew's blind optimism so well. Um, you know, we we have some some differences of opinion on the talent of especially young players that come up to play for the Sox. I I want to see you succeed at the big league level before I call you, you know, the next great insert Red Sox. Um, I can't do it. I. And supposedly, you know, the the most recent one is Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, I know I'm down on Bobby Dahlbeck. Some people aren't. I don't think I'm a negative Red Sox fan. I think I'm just very realistic about what this team's expectations should be. And I'm not going to change that based on spring training at bats. Yeah, I I think we're we're realists like what you were saying. And that's what makes us different from all the other run-of-the-mill Red Sox podcasts. And, I mean, we could be like Carabas and company and just come up with stupid slogans and, and whatnot. But but we keep it real. So that's what our audience gets, and we're never going to stray from that. And there's going to be debates, and we're going to hold each other accountable, whether it's us three, other hosts, whatever. We're going to hold each other accountable. And... You got to be honest, and if you're wrong, we'll have to own it. And if we win ninety, I want to be wrong. If we win ninety-seven games this year, Job and I are going to be apologizing up and down. Charlie, too. You know, the whole month of September. <laughs> I'll be the happiest. It's, it's going to hurt to ever be wrong. <laughs> I'll be happy. I'll be super happy to be wrong. I just, I know I'm not going to be wrong. 
So yeah. <laughs> I'm just not worried about this. Like I'm just not. Sorry. The the but, one thing I go back to is in the 2015 into 2016 offseason, I spent that whole winter. The theme of my Twitter account was trashing the Rick Porcello contract, which we had already seen a year of by that point. And then the mofo won a Cy Young. So, like, I would have bet literally anything on that. Did you feel stupid? <laughs> oh, so How the, the next one of those is Rick Porcello. So you're telling me Garrett Richards has a chance at the Cy Young? That's what you're telling I'm me right now? I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> Shame on you. Shame on you for even yeah. considering that. That's slander. That's, that's I, positive I'm slander. Already, that I, am, I am anti-Garrett Richards. I hope the listeners know that already. But, <laughs> I am um, too. Terry, I, I loved I loved your, your most recent episode that you did, just you, on what the three things the Red Sox need to do to make the playoffs in 2021. One of those things kind of started to happen for me today, so I'm very excited to talk about uh, today's game. Yes, absolutely. So let's kind of get into that because one starting pitcher who has kind of piqued a lot of people's interest, Eduardo Rodriguez coming back again from a bout with myocarditis, which was an after effect of his COVID-19. That's a heart ailment. Very healthy. And one of the things that was healthy today was his strikeouts. Six of them. He was like the power company, turning people's lights out. So no walks as well. I, I love that. When, when a starting pitcher goes out there, doesn't give up a walk. Usually... All the other stats on the stat line are pretty good. And he was stretched out to four innings today. 33 strikes and 48 pitches. So, Charlie, go ahead. What were your thoughts on Rodriguez? I'm actually going to be the first one to say I was wrong. Um, Last year, I had said that Erod is done for the year. He may not come back. Myocarditis is something that could end your career. And the risk that he ran was way too high last year. And I was wrong. I did not think he was going to come back firing all cylinders. And I'm I'm going to give the man his due. He gave up. He made one mistake. Solo shot to someone who's still hitting like well below 200. Uh, well, actually now probably closer to 200. But uh, he was phenomenal. He was absolutely phenomenal. Four innings, six strikeouts, as Terry mentioned. No walks. I think he gave it was just a solo run. Outside of that, he gave up a couple other hits. And you already mentioned the strike numbers. I absolutely love what I saw today. I love it, Joe. Uh, I think the best thing that I saw today was the fact that he was stretched out to four innings this early. Um, I thought the one thing that I was really worried about it wasn't necessarily his stuff or his fastball or anything like that. I thought they were going to have to slow walk him because of the injury. Um, you know, heart conditions, no joke. So I thought maybe the first time that we were going to see him pitch four innings was going to be, you know, the, the day before opening day or, you know, in his start, his last start of the spring. And before that, they were going to slow walk him with maybe an inning, two innings. Um, so it was great to see him out there. And it was great to see him not lose velocity or, or lose control as he got tired. Um, you know, he was dominant throughout. In fact, his mistake came early in his start. He only seemed to get better, which was, uh, to me, the most encouraging part. Absolutely. And 
at this point, he has to be the opening day starter. Uh, Nathan Avaldi pitched a sim game, I think, yesterday for his second start, and personal reasons was cited for that. Not sure. I mean, you could go a million different ways with personal reasons, but um, so that's his second start. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, who else could conceivably be the opening day starter? I, I don't think anybody. Nick Pavetta's pitched well, but I mean, why would he get it? So I no. know it hasn't been announced yet, but it's a it's Rodriguez. Um, I think Coral will probably announce that next week. Uh, if I had to guess, he just didn't want to announce it before seeing what Erod had in the tank coming off the injury. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you hear from Cora this week that he's the opening day starter and takes a little pressure off everybody else. There's really nobody else that you can give it to. I mean, in 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 real talk, you're you're not going to give it to Garrett Richards. He hasn't he hasn't pitched well enough. Pavetta's done great, but Pavetta's not Erod. And here's the thing: I think it'd be a slap in the face to somebody like Eduardo Rodriguez if you didn't make him the starter, and yet you gave it to someone who was on the team last year. Kinda. He only made a couple of starts. I think he what well, he, he ended up striking out like 15, 18 guys in three starts last year, two starts. I forget how many starts he had. But I he, think was he was barely three used. starts. Yeah. yeah, I think the only guy who may be able to challenge him for that role um would be Avaldi. And and Avaldi's yeah. not well, I'm not even talking about Chris Bale. Yeah. I'm talking about Nathan Avaldi and yeah. he doesn't seem like he's gonna be on track. You might be able to make the argument that he deserves it after pitching so well last season. He gave you five good innings every time out and then imploded in the sixth a couple of times um but i think that this is erod's you know erod's job if he's healthy and he looks healthy to me so Agreed. i'm very excited for opening day i think you know he's a clear he's a clear number one on this staff right now and uh hopefully he's a number one as far as his stuff goes compared to the rest of the league because otherwise we're in trouble we've got 21 days until opening day if we're pretending that it's Friday morning right now when most people are going to be listening to this, what are the chances that in these 21 days, Eduardo Rodriguez gets a contract extension? I think they're pretty low. Um, I I think Charlie disagrees with me just by the look on his face (laughs) as I look at him here. Oh, no, I I I agree. pretty low. Um, I think the reason they're low is because of the injury um, and just because of the market, you know, it doesn't look like the Red Sox want to spend any additional money this season. Um, that's why they're going cheap with almost every signing they make. You look at it and go, oh, well, that could work out. You know, there's very few guys that have proven it that they've signed who say you say, OK, well, you can slot him into this spot or you can slot him into that spot. Um, so I just don't see it because. It would either put us on the tax, you know, above the tax threshold this year, or close to it, and I just don't think that they want to do that. And then, as far as whether they might do it during the season, I would not be surprised. I don't think Eduardo Rodriguez is one of these guys who says at the start of the season, "I'll talk about it after the season." Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get something done over the All Star break if he's if he's dealing. Actually, as Joe, long as they're willing to give him his contract, I don't think it. We discussed this in the group chat, and Andrew kind of set the record straight. I don't think it would be applicable to this season. Like he's already under contract, oh, yeah. so. So as long as it doesn't buy out his current contract, I mean, I could see it happening. I wouldn't be happy if they did. Um, I'd be one of the few, I think, that would not be happy, and the more I see him pitch, the more I'm going to probably regret saying that. Um, because I'd like I'd like to see him on this team next year if he's pitching the way that he pitched today. Um, but again, 
heart condition. I want to see him pitch three or four starts before I even consider that. So we'll see. I, I want to see him pitch a season. I really do want to see him pitch a season. And here's the thing. If they were to give Eduardo Rodriguez a big deal now, this is completely changing the tune from everything you've been doing for the last year and a half. You're not giving anyone extensions. You're not giving anyone any deals. You're being you're being real short on the money for every single player. Now, if we were going, if we're intentionally not signing people or offering proper contracts, and like I like to call it a proper contract, some of them have been stupid. Um, to save it for only Eduardo Rodriguez, someone who had myocarditis, who we st- we still don't know. Granted, two spring training starts; these are meaningless games with some guys that will not be on the major league roster it, it would just blow, blow my mind he's under contract right now um as far as arbitration goes how many more years do we have on that with him none one none no this is it this is his okay, this here. is it yeah okay we still don't know the state of the future either are we gonna have a strike we don't know so um it would it would shock me to see Eduardo Rodriguez get a a big contract extension or or contract extension in what we think in the realm of what we think he'll get like he's going to probably command minimum 15 to 20 a year and and the Red Sox aren't going to do that right now you just don't know what you're paying for you just don't know if you were to sign him right now i think and we we disagreed with this on a couple of shows ago i think it was Job Andrew and i for that show I really think you could get him for about what Jake Odorizzi just got, which is roughly three years, you know, 40 to 45 million. So that'd be about 14 to 15 million a season. I think he's going to command more, though, Terry. I think he's going to need five years at 96 he's, to 100 million. He's going to and ask then, for 15 I, to 20 a year. Okay, now I he's, think he's a le- he's a lefty hitting the market at, at uh, he's a lefty years exactly old. yes and there's this, not this, that many next season's got a very thin pitching market I know we say that every year but next season's got a thin pitching market a very heavy hitters market um he's gonna get maybe eighteen million dollars a year and he's gonna, gonna get more than that Odo. now we can pay him that next year he's a better pitcher than Odo and he's yes a and he's a lefty exactly yeah I know would you rather have on your team Jake Odorizzi or Eduardo Rodriguez. 30, uh, I 31 think it's close. GMs out of 30. I think it's 31 close. 31 GMs out of 30. I, th- I think it's close. Drunk and votes twice. I think it's close, but only right now because of this season. I think for the next five years, if you're deciding between the two, you take Eduardo Rodriguez 31 sure. times out of 30. E- Erod's younger, exactly so that's yeah. that's the selling point is he's younger. He's, he's 29 years old. I mean, yeah. he's not he's not one of these guys going into free agency at 32 years old. He's, he's 29 years old, and this is going to be his big payday. He hasn't had one yet. This is it. Right, so he's going to go in there and ask for a hundred million. The the market next season isn't quite as thin as you think. It's kind of a wonky market because there's going to be a lot of short term signings. Zach Greinke, age thirty eight; Justin Verlander, age thirty nine; Max Scherzer, age thirty seven; Charlie Morton, age thirty eight. Those guys. How many of those guys are going to walk away? I think I think you might see the end of Verlander. You might not see Greinke again, depending on what he has in the tank this year. You also he, listed a bunch of right handed pitchers. Morton. And you just they're listed all right. they're a all bunch of great pitchers who are right-handers and who are old. Well, we got I we, mean, Eduardo Rodriguez. You can count on for thirty starts. We got two Hopefully. lefties, two lefties already next year, and Chris Sale, Tanner Houck, and then you've got Nathan Avaldi, Nick Pavetta. 
So those are the four that are definitely going to be in the rotation. Now, I just listed four old guys. You also have Noah Syndergaard, age 29, Marcus Stroman, who Charlie and I definitely don't want, age 31, Lance McCullers, age 28. There are some other ones. Corey Kluber's on that list. So I, I would say he's probably compared to McCullers. As far as his contract goes, he's probably going to be comparable to Lance McCullers Jr. Um, other guys on the list, I think Syndergaard's obviously going to lead the market. But some of those other guys, I think... He can't stay healthy. They're not, they're not... Yeah, but talent is talent. People will bet on talent over injury history all day long. Well, um, Syndergaard... I think that, that, that's, a very heavy mar- that's a very heavy market for right-handers and for old guys. Syndergaard will the have... For the next five years. Syndergaard will have at least two months at the end of the season, plus maybe a postseason if the Mets are any good. <laughs> we know what happens there usually. Um, but, I love that he laughed. Yeah. I love that. Right. And it was so, involuntary. He was the best part. So I wouldn't – I would just take Syndergaard at, at face value based on what he does uh, this year with a fully rebuilt elbow. But it, it's, it's a wonky market next year. And I just feel like if you get the E-Rod deal done now, you're probably getting it at a discount. If you wait a year and he pitches well – you're you're getting him probably at a little bit more of a premium, but l- let me just whether whether we agree on it or, or disagree, let me just point this out. If a deal doesn't get done, and I think it's about fifty fifty whether it does or it doesn't at this point. If a deal doesn't get done, and he's pitching well, it's the elephant in the room for most of the season. Everybody's going to be talking about it. It's going to be a big topic. And and then Hein Bloom may make another very unpopular decision. We all agreed on the Benintendi trade, you know, being necessary. There was no crying on this podcast about it. We understood the Mookie trade, but there were factions of the fan base in both those instances that wanted to light Fenway Park on fire. And, you know, so people will probably be getting attached to Erod. So it's going to be an interesting you know I I don't want to say development. Uh you know, it's just going to be an interesting thing to watch as the season does unfold. Well, so now there's two things you're talking about here Terry and I know Charlie and I probably see eye to eye on this one. One is that you just signed Casale before you needed to and he's already down with an injury hopefully until August if not out the whole season. So there's the out for the Red Sox if they don't want to sign Eduardo Rodriguez right now. It's, oh, we just did that and it was a mistake because Chris Sale's hurt. And they won't say that, but they can leak that to their guys in the media. Um, and that's what we'll be hearing if, if they don't sign him. And he starts dominating, they're going to say, well, it was a risk we didn't want to take because we just took one with Chris Sale. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I think if you do sign him, we're going to sit here and say, okay, well, he's not Chris Sale because he doesn't have elbow history issues. You know, he's also not built like Chris Sale, who's built like a twig, but he's also not as good as Chris Sale. So if you're going to pay him for five years, that would go kind of against the roster flexibility thing that Heim Bloom is, is going against. I think the one thing that's going to dictate that this whole season about whether or not we sign him to an extension or even if we sign him in the offseason as a free agent is going to be how good Hauk is. If Hauk is a stud, we can let Erod walk and the fan base is going to be okay with that. If Hauk sucks, then we're in trouble. Well, one thing, though, he's not getting five years before the season starts. There's no way. Oh, uh, no. No, no, There's no. no he'll, get it. he'll get a two-year deal uh, if it's an extension. 
Yeah, um, and I'd be okay with more that. that. I, so earlier we were saying how, we were asking or we were saying how old he was. I I, I thought I, I'm not sure if I heard 29 or 27. Erod's he's he's 27. Yeah, he'll be 28 going into his walk year. Yeah, yeah. so he's oh, 28. Okay. Oda Rizzi is turning 31 this month. Right. Erod turns 28 next month. So there's a three year gap between the two, and their numbers as far as like win totals scary close. Erod has pitched five seasons. He's 51 and 31. Odorizzi has been in the league nine years, 62 and 56. Now, the strikeout numbers, Odo's got almost 1,000. Erod has 700. So you're, you're talking about like a season and a half. Erod can crack 200. Odo what do you can. have trainings pitched? Uh, he's got 699. He's averaging more than one strikeout per inning. He's, he's got 699 for innings pitched, 707 strikeouts. Odorizzi. Um, has 1,042 career strikeouts, 995. So they're, they're close. They're close. So what, I, what I'm hearing from you, Charlie, is that if you're going to sign him to an extension, you're going to sign him to a, a very high AAV because he knows his value when he's 20 and he's 28 he's, years old. He's going to bet on himself. There's not many guys hitting free agency like that. He'll bet on himself in free agency. Two years so ago, he won 19 him, games. It's going to be big. Devil's Devil's advocate. Scherzer's yep. a stud this year at 37. Why pay Erod three when we can get Scherzer for one? And you're Erod's agent, so how are you going to digest that? Are you are you playing short term baseball? Or are you planning for the future of your team? Who is going to be the future of your rotation in three years? Probably Hauk, maybe how maybe Mata, who, uh, by the way, has we, a, we don't know yet a partial tear of his uh, UCL, but um, it's there, there's probably going to be one other kid from the farm. If we're talking three years from now, somebody else will emerge. So it'll be how one of those guys sale will be at the tail end. And there's going to be bigger free agents in future off seasons, two years from now, three years from now that could be in play. I think, I think, think it's really oh, – go ahead, Charlie. I was going to say, don't you think the optics would look even worse if the Red Sox were to just let him go and didn't even try to sign him? I mean – It's like Lester 2.0. It's Lester 2.0. I was just thinking that. Like, I was I was just going to say we let him – we traded him to the Athletics because we offered him a BS contract. And I wouldn't have signed that if I was him either. That was a slap in the face. Like we thought he was going to take a, a like a home discount. That was like a discount 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 like it was way off what we thought and what everybody thought he was going to get paid i don't blame any announcer i don't blame anybody on the radio i don't blame any fan for saying yeah you guys messed up on that one i think the red sox would be messing up on eduardo rodriguez if they don't at least position or prepare themselves yes we, we want to make an offer at this guy now if a team comes out and says yeah we'll give you 5 125 the red sox are saying toodaloo I know that, and so does Boston. You don't know what you're going to get for 25 million. You could do a lot more with 25 million. You could get Scherzer and somebody else for 25 million because we don't know what he's going to want. I, I don't think Scherzer is going to command 25 million next year. I think, Charlie. I think you said it right. What do you think, Terry? Well, the market is just so finicky next year. I, I just think if you're Erod's camp, you do want to get a deal done this year uh, before the season starts. I think I, if I'm him, I want to bet on myself. If you if you're feeling healthy, you're going to bet on yourself because you're coming off an injury that 
you're probably not going to get your market value based on the fact that you didn't pitch last season. It's different. If he sat out and didn't get Mida Cardotis, I think it's different. Then then you probably take the extension. But the fact that he didn't pitch last season, you're probably, if I'm him, I'm betting on myself, especially the way that I've been pitching. Um, you know, my last healthy season in 2019, I won 19 games. I was fantastic down the stretch, and I, I could be a leader on any on any stat. In two years' time, he'll be 31. He'll be the leader on somebody's stat. This guy has the talent to be a number one. He I, just hasn't shown it yet. With Erod, though, I, I think – much like Bogarts, I think he hates the the idea of playing for another team. I, I think Boston is by far his first choice. I think every time we I say agree. that, we're wrong. So even if I think that, I'm not going to say it. Because every time we say that, we get bitten in the ass. We thought that was John Lester. What? Well, I think then John Lester went. Now he's a national. You know, he's been around. The, he's been around a little bit. He's won World Series elsewhere. And if he went into the Hall of Fame, he'd probably go in as a Cub. He's made comments, though. I'm he almost... will go in as a Cub positive that Erod's made comments wanting an extension, but um but I, mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to offering him one, but I'm not gonna offer him a, a big AAV. Yeah, I think it's like I said, I think the the max deal right now is about three years forty five million. And there is risk. We we keep talking about you know his recovery from COVID, but Evaldi comes off the books after next season a bunch of other money comes off. I don't know. It, it's a very interesting situation. It's going to be a fluid situation for, uh, you know, as until it resolves. The The only thing that will pour a bucket of cold water on it is if he goes out and then does get injured with no extension whatsoever being signed. Month of May, injury, not pitching well, what have you. But... Uh, so we'll, we'll just see. We'll just see how it, it develops because there's so many scenarios as far as how this could play out. The other pitcher making headlines, hitting 98 miles an hour on the gun yesterday, Tanner Houck. And if 98 doesn't sound significant for anyone in the listening audience, he averaged 92.8 last season. So a lot more, a lot more velo. <laughs> I uh, wanted to say juice there, but that could be taken the wrong way. Um, what are our thoughts here? Because if he continues to pitch well in the remaining three weeks, I don't know how he gets sent to AAA. I wish I could agree with you. I just don't see a spot for him uh, on the rotation at the moment. And I, I know that they will not convert him to a bullpen arm just to get him into the big league you know, games. So my assumption is he'll probably start in AAA. Um, and he'll be the first man up with an injury. I, I just don't see room for him. We have too many arms in front of him, I think. I'm either in the, eh, it could go either way, or, or the past year plus, more on the negative side than on the positive side. I can admit that to myself and to the fans and to our listeners. Uh, what is our consensus for starting rotation? Erod, uh, you have Evaldi, you have Martin Perez, you have Pavetta, and then who is going to be number five? Richards is in there. Now. Richards is number five. Hauk <laughs> does not have a spot right now. Right now. 
do I think he will come into the rotation? Yes, I do. Why? Because I think Garrett Richards will do Garrett Richards. I think he will end up finding, we will find out that it was not right for the starting rotation. Tanner Hawk will come up. He will be uh, a mixed bag, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. But I'd rather see a little bit of good and bad from someone who's still young than someone who's just not good. Like, I, I would just rather see that. And then Richards can be your long relief pitcher, your LRP. You're going to have one guy like your. I hate to compare this to him because he's one of my favorite baseball players of all time, not just on the Red Sox, but Tim Wakefield. He could do a st- He could come in for a start. He'd come in for a two, three inning save. I don't think we're going to use him as a closer, but we can have him as a long reliever. I think that's what's going to end up happening. So I think Job is right in the sense that right now he doesn't fit into the rotation. Do I see it in the future? Yes, I do. Because you can't keep someone who throws almost 100 mile an hour gas at AAA. That's just that's just silly. You're just not going to do that. No, I, I I agree with Charlie, and I think he's he's pitching to a level where if this was a a little bit of a, a lighter, I would say, rotation. If there was one less arm, then he would be guaranteed a spot as the, as the fifth arm at least because he's earned it. Um, but unfortunately, right now, I think. Richards is going to get the start because Bloom won't admit that he's wrong that early. No GM ever does. Um, and I would say Coral probably moves him into the bullpen in May because Richards is garbage and Hauk has been too good. I, I'd be very excited to see Hauk starting in the starting rotation. I think you guys are correct at, at the moment. There, There isn't a place for him, but what gives me so much hesitation to fully commit to, yeah, he's definitely not going to be up, is the fact that he could be our second best pitcher right right now behind Erod. Uh, yeah, I think he's got great potential. Um, we haven't yet seen him stumble. I mean, he will stumble. Every rookie coming into the, the big leagues gets lit up at some point when the hitters start to figure him out. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of when that happens for us. I'd rather him start in AAA and um, kind of make sure that he's ready rather than throw him into the fire. Last season, we threw him into big league games, give him some experience, but there was no pressure. This season, the pressure's on. Uh, we can't have bottom finish in the AL East three straight years. And the fans are un- unforgiving in, in Boston. If you come in, you suck. So I think... I would rather him start in AAA and just make sure that he's 100% there. And I'd love to see him in May or June as, you know, the fifth starter in the rotation, if not the fourth starter. Charlie. Wait, Job, who are you talking about as the fourth starter? Hope. Stop it. You're making me blush. I'm just happy to get him into the rotation. I mean, Richard's going down. So do you think that he and Pavetta would potentially switch? I mean, I I don't want to shoot for the moon here and say that he's going to go into the four slot. I think assuming he can take the five, the five spot, I would be happy. Uh, I'm going to be realistic with myself. I think that if you're going to call him up, he'll probably start in the five spot. But the amount of injuries that we're going to have this season, we're always going to have injuries. He's the next man up. Um, and so if he's already, I think, you know, if he's already up right. in May, then come June or July, if he gets a shot to move up in the rotation, I think he's ready to take it. Like Terry said, I think he could be the second or third best arm on this, on this team. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if he gets a shot, he really takes it, takes the bull by the horns and turns himself into a, you know, an everyday player in the major leagues. I think what would be even more kind of just, whoa, would be if he stays in the five spot, you just see how you do all year. And then next year you assume the three spot and then blow everyone away. Cause then it's not like a steady progression. It's just like, it's like the stock market, like GameStop. It just goes, shoots up, and then it just doesn't stop because it's just well, madness. Well, so a lot of that depends on what you do with Eddie Rodriguez, right? So, Terry, I'm interested to see what you think, right? If if you put him in the five spot and he succeeds all season, you let Eddie Rodriguez walk, he's your number two. Is he not? Unless Pavetta turns out to be, you know, sale. a diamond in the rough. Because I, 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 the way I look at it, it's going to be Sale, Erod, potentially Hauk. Pavetta would be You're going to go three lefties? Well, Richards won't be back. Richards won't be back next year unless he pitches well, and at which point that's a great problem to have. But, you know, so there's going to be a spot next year, even with Rodriguez uh, on the team, if he does, in fact, get an extension. But the interesting thing here is, the propaganda is only going to build and build and build, and it's going to be a tougher and tougher decision for Bloom as you get closer to opening day. And if Richard sucks this whole time and just can't get the walk rate down, uh, that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough spot for for Bloom on, on a lot of levels, and he's already not very popular. <laughs> Uh, amongst the fan base, Hein Bloom, and, and he's certainly not popular with the three of us specifically. So it, it, that that's another situation that you know we're just—it's almost day by day. Let me throw one scenario into this, and Job, I think you've mentioned this in previous shows. I've basically had this sentiment since the start of the 2019 season as well. What if you just, what if Richards is pitching okay and you just put Evaldi in the pen to be your long guy? I know we got Andres, you know, but. I, I love Evaldi. I love Evaldi. I think that would be a good move uh, if you really need a long guy. Um, this bullpen has a lot of okay, not good arms. So you could make that move and I wouldn't be so upset about it. But I think. If you're going to put Evaldi in the bullpen, it's going to be in a leverage situation. I don't want to waste him on cleanup duty or sixth and seventh inning when you're, you know, in a four to two ball game. I want him to be pitching with the bases loaded. I want him to be pitching the eighth inning, the ninth inning, um, because he has the strikeout ability that I think not only do teams covet, but I would covet in that situation. And he doesn't walk a lot of guys. I hate Matt Barnes because Matt Barnes walks guys. His performance I just don't like walks. His performance will dictate how he's used in the bullpen. But let, let me just be clear on why I'm motivated for this. He's not going to pitch 120 innings. He's going on. No, he's not. He's going on the disabled list. So if you put him in the pen, that keeps him under 120 anyway. And if somebody does get injured late in the season, then you stretch him back out to start you know, in the month of August, September, and and you you take October as it comes, if it comes. 
Uh, I can so, see Charlie's face. He really wants to say something about this. What do you, what do you got, Charlie? <laughs> I really think we need to take a moment and remember how much we're paying Evaldi. This is year three of four of a $68 million deal. That means that you guys want to have a $17 million bullpen arm. If it makes what? The, if it makes the pieces fit, it's it's goofy. It is. Uh, Chapman's getting seventeen million a year with with the Yankees. Uh, obviously, Evoldi isn't Chapman, but but thank you for thank you for clarifying that because <laughs> I almost reached through this television and choked your little <laughs> that that just wasn't happening. I, I I get what you're saying, and I get how you're saying make the pieces fit. So in your mind, you want to have a seventeen million dollar non knuckleballing Tim Wakefield in the bullpen. If you want, that's what I'm hearing you guys say. If you want Nathan Evoldi to pitch all six months, I think you have to find a way to reduce his innings, and, and that's the best way to do it. That's just so hard, though. $17 million in the pen. He's going to be getting more than more than two starters in your rotation. <laughs> yeah. He's he literally is. making three or four times your rotation salary. Yeah. Like, or three or four guys in your rotation. Because Richards is getting how much this year? He's getting 10, but, I mean, Houck's getting the major league minimum. Nick Pavetta, not much more than that, maybe a million. Right, yeah. right. And then Erod's making, like, a little a, – a sh- like, a hair over 8 mil, right? Like, wasn't it, like, 8.1 or 8.4? Uh, Erod is 8. Erod was making like, – 8.4, yeah. Okay. So, eight po- all right. So, 8.4 million. You got 10. So, 20 million for four starters, and you have Evaldi making 17. It's that, sco- it's I, goofy. It's a goofy team. It's a goofy team. You know what? If this ends up working out, <laughs> you better get put on the radio for like the insanity of this of this mind. Because <laughs> I I just like I, I'm trying to cons- like it's starting to make a little bit more sense. Like I get what you're saying because if you lose a Valdi, then you're screwed. You're really screwed. Um. So I get what you're saying about the longevity and the the reality of the situation regarding his arm, the fact that he may not survive a full season if he gets, if he gets any form of injury, because we've already seen what happens. Um, And that would detrimentally put our entire staff in harm's way, because then you're going to try to picture your starting rotation, getting five or six innings, every start. And that's just not happening. You're not going to be getting six innings to start. If he stays in the rotation, he needs to make it to Chris sale at a minimum. And then, and then oh, I agree. And then we get sale back. I agree. But, but this is also predicated on Nick Pavetta pitching well. He's never had a great season, so he's got to be pitching well. So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of scenarios that could prevent Evaldi from being utilized that way. Uh, you know, from actually happening. But if everybody's pitching okay. I mean, I, I just think that's a way to to save Evaldi, get Hauk in the rotation, and everybody's happy. Is there a fifty percent chance that this happens? No, that's <laughs> probably a ten or twenty percent chance, if if even that. But but like I said, you got to make the pieces fit some somehow. Job, any any more thoughts yeah, on this? I mean. I mean, I think if you were to use the team most effectively, then you're probably using Evaldi in the in the uh, bullpen. If Hauk is good, you know, who knows? Um, but 
I don't think Cora would do that to a veteran player. And I don't think that Heim Bloom has the ability to tell Cora not to do, like to do that. So I just don't see it happening. Now, if you if we make it to October in some kind of dream scenario, then that happens to every team. You know, they go to a four man rotation and somebody slots into the bullpen. I mean, I could think of all the is dominant for four innings. We saw it last year. He was great for five innings, and then in the sixth inning, the wheels fall off every time. So I could see it happening. I'd like to, you know, you can't get rid of his contract, so I'd like to extend it a little bit um, as far as I'd like to make him be useful. But I don't know, you know, that Cora will do that to him. I doubt it. Well, he's he's already got his money, so I, I don't... I, I don't know but what if... I mean is you know you can't move you can't move his contract right you can't trade him at any point during the season because you need him and he's getting paid way too much money to not be used and I don't think Cora would ever move a pitcher who's pitching somewhat well because I think he'll always pitch somewhat well or at least better than the back half of the rotation because I don't think that Richards is good and I have my concerns about Pavetta. Um, I don't think he'll ever move somebody like that to the bullpen unless he has to. So I just don't think it's going to happen. But if it did happen, I would not be upset. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think we can all agree it is a it is a low percentage uh, scenario. So um, anything going on as far as the offense goes? I know Dolbeck every hits a home run and that's obviously going to be so sustainable. He's going to hit 120 home runs this year. Um, another thing, let's talk about this guy real quick. Michael Chavis has made comments this week, seems to be very understanding of his situation. He's being real about it. He knows he's probably not going to be with the big club to start the year. He is tied for second with hits right now. Only has, let's see, four strikeouts in 18 at-bats. That's not, like, super great. But he's hitting at a 333 clip right now. And I just, I feel bad for the guy. You know, I do too. I just think that. He knows that no matter what he was going to do, it was going to be tough to win a job. And the signing of Santana really, he's going to AAA, um, unfortunately, mostly because some of the other guys that are either equal to him in terms of ability uh, are out of options. So he's he's kind of screwed in that sense. He's definitely going to go down to AAA. But if he, if he tears the cover off the ball, he'll, he'll be back up at the club. Um, I don't doubt it. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we add a fourth bench player and remove a pitcher as injuries injuries happen. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. But for now, that's kind of how things are going to play out. Charlie, what are your thoughts? Michael Chavis still has two options left. And everyone keeps forgetting that it's the Red Sox. Anybody could go down at any moment. And Michael Chavis will be waiting with his cape on to strike out <laughs> and bless us with a home run. From time to time, it happens. Here's the thing. The past couple of years, he did not strike out a lot at the beginning of the year, and then pitchers kind of caught on to him. This is spring training. He's already striking out 22% of the time. 
or strikeouts, 18 at-bats, 22.2%. That number will go up when he's facing major league pitching the whole time. There's no question. We know what he's, we're, we know what we're getting. We're getting someone who strikes out between 30 and 36% of the time. He that, just can't just, identify the high fastball. He, he, there are certain pitches that he can hit and there are certain pitches that he can't. Um, I don't believe he made a cameo in trouble with the curve. Um, but if he did, there would be one pitch that he could hit and one pitch that he can't. There are some players that have really good plate awareness. That man is not one of them. I will forever be in Michael Chavis's corner because I was there when I saw him launch his first one and I was going down to grab popcorn and I'm there live on ESPN and I was all for it. But you know what? I'm not too worried about Michael Chavis because if we send him down to Pawtucket to kind of figure out some things and he's still struggling in Pawtucket, then are we really feeling bad because he couldn't even hack it in Pawtucket? I want him to succeed. I really do. Um, I'm in his corner. He's trying. He wants to get it. But the fact that he's taking ownership, as Terry mentioned, he understands what's happening and he, he he sees this all going on. I give him a lot more credit. And uh, I would tip my cap to him. He's not whining about it. He recognizes what's happening. Yeah, he's the not, opportunity will come back. He's not being a diva at all. And not at all. The interesting thing here he's is trying to win himself a job. Yeah, I mean, you know, he can't be a diva because he's not good enough. He's putting That's the reality of it. He's putting his best foot forward. Now, let's consider this scenario: if he does go down to Pawtucket, where is he playing? Because our outfield right now, pretty thin. You got Cordero, who we don't know what to make of him from a performance standpoint, from a health standpoint, and he's not even going to – not expected to make the team right away. He'll start on the DL or whatever because of his COVID situation. He's just too far behind basically. And and then you got Renfro, who is a DFA – by June candidate, if he doesn't get off on the right foot. So do you put Chavis in the outfield or do you just kind of keep him at first and second in Worcester? I think he splits his time between first and second base. Uh, there's a decent chance that one of those guys, specifically Dahlbeck, does not work out. If Dahlbeck does not work out and Chavis is tearing the cover off the ball, they can make a switch there very easily. Um, you know, I don't think this is Dahlbeck's here for good. But then again, Dahlbeck is the prototype of what they now want in the league, which is strikeout or home run, and he's better at it than Chavis. So I don't necessarily think he'll be sent down. That's the clearest path to playing time, in my mind, for Michael Chavis. Uh, unless some of these you know, platoon guys that they brought up, these super utility guys, can't hack it at second base, then he could play second base, but... He really has an uphill battle to do that because there's a lot of guys in front of him with no options, and there's a lot of guys in front of him that are getting paid. So I don't see him with the big league cup playing second base unless some freaky accident happens or, you know, Heim Bloom gets fired. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Those are the options. I I just don't see him at second base for the Red Sox. I, I could see him playing first base, and I could also see, you know, at some point in the future, you know, Raphael Devers playing first base, and we need a third baseman. Um, that wouldn't that wouldn't bother me either. Um, but I don't think Chavis is that guy. The Devers thing has been a, play first base. That's it. a long debate on this podcast, but I think he's probably going to be there for the duration of the season. Here's another thing to consider. You're, we're kind of touching on the fact that 
that Dahlbeck could have a short leash and, and could get optioned. Another guy who's under immense pressure is a guy I've kind of advocated for all winter, Christian Arroyo. If he gets off to a bad start, he's also a DFA by May or June candidate because he has no options. So, so he's under a ton of pressure as well. And he's a Rule 5 guy um, from last season who spent most of the season with the big league club uh, and didn't show enough to win a job, obviously, because they went out and they didn't have confidence in him because they went out and signed three different guys to play his position. So he could get DFA'd pretty easily, I think. And he might even be already on the short list, so to speak, um, for if they need to bring up Javis, who do we cut? They might already have that in their head. It's it's definitely a like, scenario. Christian Arroyo doesn't do it for me. Like I know it's a super super small sample size, and we got him from I like Cleveland. Him. I like him, but I don't love him. And I I'd I think I usually have... could love him if he played. He doesn't play. He doesn't play. He doesn't strike out as much, which is cute and adorable because that's nice to see somebody who doesn't strike out all the time. The power numbers aren't there. He doesn't steal any bases. He plays second and short, um, which we already have a plethora of other players that can do that. What does Christian Arroyo bring to the table that Chavis or Dahlbeck doesn't? He doesn't hit as okay. He doesn't strike out as much as Chavis. He doesn't hit as many home runs as Dahlbeck. But Chavis still hits more home runs. He's better defensively than both of those guys. He is. But are you going to put Christian Arroyo in into short over Xander? No. Are you going to put um, Christian Arroyo in over Kiki Hernandez if he's playing second base or or Michael Chavis at second base? No, but our depth at shortstop is pretty low after Xander, and he's already dealing with a, with a shoulder injury. So, you know, unless you want Marwin Gonzalez and Kiki Hernandez both playing every day, I think there's a there's a path there for Arroyo to get some decent playing time to short. I just don't see it for Arroyo, unfortunately. It's it's like Brock, Brock Holt's backup. It's it's like, oh yeah, everyone knows who you are, but 18 at-bats a season. Like It's just, I, I don't see him getting that much because Marvin Gonzalez and Kike Hernandez are going to be playing a boatload of those games and getting a boatload of those innings. And if Xander goes back 100%, you don't have to worry about short. Okay, cool. Well, we have an off day. We can put, you know... PK in there or Marvin Gonzalez in there or in the very likely event, Chavis. Dahlbeck's not going to play short and Chavis is going to play short. I just I, I just don't see it for for, Ch- for um for Christian Arroyo. So you see Arroyo getting DFA'd and Chavis coming up? I think, for Chavis? I, I think the Red Sox right now are prioritizing Dahlbeck over Chavis and not because he's older, but because like you mentioned, like the model of the of the baseball player that teams want right now, they want boomer bust players. That's why someone like Gary Sanchez, who plays for the Yankees and it's under 200, is still playing Major League Baseball. Why? Because he can still mash. And if he couldn't hit 30 home runs a season, he would not be playing AAA baseball. That That's it. That's just it. Christian Arroyo does not mash home runs. Christian Arroyo does not strike out that much. Christian Arroyo does not have the wow factor. Bobby Dahlbeck has a chance to have the wow factor. Michael Chavis has the chance to have the wow factor. And you know what? I will happily eat my words. I don't think he's going to pull a Jose Bautista and then just all of a sudden hit 54 bombs in one season. I don't want him to. I'd much rather have the guy that hits doubles. But uh, but he doesn't even do that. Major league ball players disagree with me. You know, so 50 at-bats, one double. That's 
He's never he had a... put anything in 15 at bats. I mean, Pedroia's hit, hit like you know what 120 through his first his first uh, 100 at bats. I mean, that's not indicative. As somebody who's a Rule Five guy, it's not like oh, this is a guy who's played a lot. We know what he is, and he has 15 at bats, and this is the standard. He's a Rule Five guy. No one's ever seen. Who knows? Okay, we're gonna talk about the standard. We'll talk about the standard for a second. 2018. 53 at-bats. 2019, 50 at-bats. 2020, 50 at-bats. So is it? here's the question. Is it worth cutting him and bringing up Michael Chavis if there's only 50 at-bats to find for him? I doubt it. I'd rather have Chavis sitting in AAA and mashing. Okay. Put Chavis to AAA. Bring Christian Arroyo up because, I mean, this season is, you know, 2022.0. Bring Christian Arroyo in there. Let's see what he does for a month. Let's see what he does for a month and a half. And then he by mid May, swings for it though. You know, if he's not getting, if he's only getting, you know, one start a week, only getting two, three at bats a week, are you really going to? What we're talking about, Xander, being, all that much. If Xander really is not as healthy as he says he is, and Xander ends up somehow working his way into DH games because he can't throw, he can't field the position, and Christian Arroyo starts getting opportunities, if just to prove your point, put Christian Arroyo in there, and it's like having another. Christian Vasquez in the lineup. You're you're just not going to get popped. He'll come up. He might sit down by way of the K, but he's probably going to ground out, pop out. He's not going to get doubles. He's not going to get home runs. He's only had one career triple in 530 at-bats. Or sorry, excuse me, 278 at-bats. I, I just... I, I mean, that's that's half a season. You know, I mean, that's not, that's not enough at-bats for me to be telling you that he's going to be the guy. It's also not enough at-bats for me to tell you that he sucks. I know Terry likes him. I like him, too. Terry, what are your thoughts about the easiest way for Chavis to make, you know, the big league club? Well, I was just going to mention how good Marwin Gonzalez has looked. He's like, I think, 5 for 18, 6 for 18, something like that. Hit a couple of dingers. So, it's a team. He looked great today. He had two today. Okay. So, I couldn't remember if it was today or yesterday. Um, So, he's another guy that's going to complicate – Arroyo and Chavis because I feel like he's more of an infielder and he could be if if Dahlbeck doesn't work out Gonzalez could very well be the first baseman if he if he's the hot hand and they have to keep him in the lineup he could play second as well and then I think Hernandez I I keep saying this and I, I could be wrong but I really think Hernandez is going to play in the outfield more than anything this year. I really believe that. I very much disagree on that. I think he's our second baseman every day until he can't do it. With that, offensively, Um, at that point, then Arroyo's out. He can play outfield. That's that's how I look at it. I think Kike Hernandez is going to start at second base, and he's going to play second base for ninety to one hundred games. They're not paying him to be a utility infielder. That's why he's here. Okay. He could have gone any of 100 places for a utility infield spot. He could have stayed in, in L.A. and won potentially another ring with the Dodgers if he was going to play utility infield. They told him he's going to be a starter. He's already said as much. So Kike, So this is the thing about Kike Hernandez. Kike Hernandez didn't play more than, you know, obviously a, a crazy season, did not play a majority of his, of his games at any other position other than second base. He played 30 games at second base. He played 17 in the outfield, nine in right. Five and left, three and center. He has the ability to play any position. To both of your points, majority of his starts, though, have come at second base, which again says we're not seeing Chavis. 
where we're not going to see Dahlbeck because he doesn't play. He plays the corners. And you would put him in over Arroyo. You, why? Because he's a better player than Arroyo. He can hit. He can get on base. He can, he can do more work. Um, to Terry's point, yeah, he's your he's your potential fourth or third outfielder. So this is, again, one of those points where I don't find myself being negative, which is the second majority. I don't find myself being incredibly positive. I see him being 50-50. I see him being able to do, literally, in a four-game span, two games at second base, two games playing center right. You know, like we, we just we don't know. It's still too early to tell. You know, I think you're right. We don't know. Be, but the reason that I think we don't know is I don't know what our outfield's going to look like. I think well, two of the outfielders that we signed to be, you know, everyday outfielders, I haven't seen anything from them. Cordero or Renfro. I have no idea what they're going to be. And, uh, you know, I think Renfro is another one of those boomer bust guys that the GMs love and that the fans hate. But, um, it's going to be stressful, I think, as a fan to, you know, pencil in an everyday lineup card for this team. Okay, so Cordero's not going to make the team right away because, like I said, he's behind. So he's going to miss a week or two. Your only two outfielders right. right now are Verdugo and Renfro. So Hernandez is going in the outfield. Uh, who, who's your next best option for the first couple well, of so weeks? So here's my, th- here, here, here's my thinking. The first couple of weeks – I think, unfortunately, you're probably going to see J.D. Martinez playing the outfield. Oof, I don't, like I don't say that with any love. I, I no, say that because I, I don't, don't think Xander Bogarts is ready Nope. to play shortstop. No. I, I, no. J.D. Martinez in the outfield? That's like, like asking someone – that's like asking you or me to go in the outfield with beer goggles on. That's dangerous. <laughs> you're playing with fire. Uh, My beer goggles are great, points. Charlie. Mine are trash. Uh, it's like <laughs> Matt Hall bad. Uh, okay. 2018 – Kiki Hernandez did play the most games in center field. Marwin Gonzalez can also play in the outfield. So looking at his by game line, he played a lot of games at third, a lot of games at second. In 2019, the most games that he played were in right field. Really? Wow. So he played in 2019. It says here that there were 59 games played, 44 um Sorry, 59 games manning the outfield, um, 44 manning right field. So unless unless something is completely off on that, um, played 114 games. Yeah, so very possible that he ended up, you know. So he he could be in the just outfield. Running. I thought he was a lot more limited. I don't think he's limited at all. I think it's just I Those don't think Xander Bogarts is going to be ready either. Right. I think you're going to see a, a very shaky start from a health perspective for this team. Charlie, you, you from Jamie Martinez could play tomorrow, outfield. DH, it so won't we'll be every day. <laughs> well, it's only for two weeks. Yeah. You know, it's only 10 games. I'm just going to say this right now. I Either Renfro or Cordero is going to wind up being the fourth outfielder. I don't think for the bulk of the season – they're both going to be in the lineup together very much. And I was unaware that Gonzalez has had that much time in the outfield. I thought, like I said, his outfield time was was far more limited, you know, less than 20 games a season. And uh, so maybe he's a left fielder then. And at that point, maybe, maybe he is the first one in the outfield. And then Hernandez does play second.
Yeah, I could see that. I mean, to, to Charlie's point, I think we have a lot of guys who can play the position. I just, I want to be very upset if all of these career utility guys find themselves in the lineup every day. That's that's how I look at it. And I understand we're going to carry a three-man bench, one of whom is, is Kevin Ploiecki. So we're going to have two guys, and a lot of these guys are going to find time to play. But if our starting lineup come opening day is a bunch of platoon guys around Xander Bogarts in the middle of the lineup, I'm going to be kind of upset. <laughs> because I think that this team offensively has the potential to put out some really good numbers. And I don't want to cite spring training numbers because they're meaningless. But even last year, this team could hit. They just couldn't pitch. They couldn't field. Um, we probably still can't field. I know Alex Cora has been talking about how he wants good fielding from this team. and That's something they sucked at last year. He's, he's trying to emphasize that in camp. They're making errors left and right in spring training, so hopefully they work that out. Um, I don't want to see this team place the emphasis on defense and home runs and not pitching and or putting your best players out there. I don't, I don't care about versatility as much as I care about having good players at their positions. So if Marlon Gonzalez is playing right field, okay. I'm not going to hate on it because right now he's playing well and he, he's played pretty well in his career in short stints. But if he turns out to be your everyday right fielder, I'm going to be upset. Pay somebody to play the position. Well, this is the, the way I, I think we'll, we'll kind of agree on is – this is a roster built on people stepping up and there's a lot of incentive to step up, step up because there's almost two guys that can take your place at any spot, you know, whether it's the outfield or the infield and some type of alignment. So if Gonzalez isn't playing well, then, you know, Arroyo is going to get the playing time or, you know, there, there's just the hot hand will always find its way in the lineup, I guess is what I'm saying. I just feel like there's not enough good hitters in this lineup to be able to feed the hot hand. Put your best nine out there and let them play. You know, I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of Kike Hernandez leading off and, and playing second base every single day. Um, and if you have to slot Mar- you know, Marlon Gonzalez in as your fourth outfielder, I'm okay with that. Or as your super utility guy, I'm great with that. But we're pretty thin. You know, if we have an injury with three-man bench, you're pretty thin. That's why these guys are all utility guys, because they know that the talent level is not there to you know, sustain a lot of injuries. But guys need to be able to play multiple positions because the guys aren't good behind them. I think let – me, let me simplify what I was saying. There's two guys to replace Marwin Gonzalez. There's two guys to replace Christian Arroyo. There's two guys to replace Franchi Cordero. There's just there's just infinite infinite amounts of different alignments. So if people want to play, they're gonna they're gonna have to earn it. Yeah, I mean the one thing I think about Alex Cora that we've seen that maybe is not his strong suit is managing to get enough at bats for everybody. Um, The one thing that he's always done is made sure that his veterans get what they think they need to play. And I don't think it's any, I mean, I know we talked a lot about the video room and all of that. I don't think it's any kind of coincidence that JD Martinez had 
a far worse season with a new manager than he did with Alex Cora. Alex Cora is a manager who tells the veteran players, you do what you need to succeed, and I'm just going to put you in when I can. So I think some of these veteran players are going to be really happy to have him back, and they're going to maximize output. And some of these younger guys are going to end up playing far more than they should be. Uh, I love Bobby Delbeck. The one guy we don't have, we don't have a backup first baseman, you know, who can play first base every day. Delbeck, he looked good defensively, but he strikes out far too much. I don't like Bobby Delbeck. In case anyone listening hasn't understood that yet. <laughs> I want to like him, but I, I don't think his all-or-nothing approach is going to translate very well. I, I think we're getting back to the contact hitting uh, mentality, and, and the ball's going to be deadened anyway, so it's going to be a little bit harder to to hit 35, 40 dingers a, a year at this point, so... Well, we'll see. I mean, I think Cora is going to try to – I think he's going to try to keep as many people happy as possible, but um, it's just we've never seen a roster like this. So um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting one way or the other. There's just so many different scenarios in the rotation and in the, in the lineup every day in the bullpen. <laughs> I just – I think nothing is certain except the opening day roster. I think the opening day roster, barring injuries, has already been set. We mentioned the guys who are on the you know on the short list. Unfortunately, to not make the roster are going to be Hauk and then Michael Chavis. Um, but everything else is kind of up in the air. I already posted, you know, on Twitter and I said it on the YouTube page what I think my opening day lineup is going to be. That's going to change because Cordero's not going to be ready, and I had him penciled in to play right field. Um, but there's going to be. I think a lot of intangibles and a lot of changes. We're not going to see the same lineup very often uh, until maybe June or July. And even then, I mean, what if Duran is hitting the cover off the ball or I think Casas? Oh, no. has... <laughs> I mean, I want them to hit the cover off the ball, but this is going to be, we're going to be talking about this with Andrew for the next six months uh, <laughs> on the show is, whether the young guys are good or whether they're just hitting a triple A. Like, I don't know what your thoughts are, Charlie. I know you and I typically agree on, you know, a prospect is a lottery ticket. Um, but would you bring up a, a Duran at this point, you know, if he's ready no. in June? No. I, no. Why start the clock on this kid now? I mean, this is the potential future guy. Um, I just think, yeah, you, you could bring him up and you, you burn a year. And we can sit here and pretend like the Red Sox and all major league teams aren't going to do something like that. But I don't think he's ready yet. Like he's he's mashing it against not well known talent. I, I just I think that bringing him up now would just be a little bit silly. I I, I say maybe a year, twenty twenty two. Sure, let's do it. Let's run it. Let's run the boys. Let's go. Bring I, out a bunch of rookies. Why not? I, I just mentioned that as you know, just a. It's going to get talked about if he is hitting the cover off the ball. But like you guys are saying, why start the clock? And we do have a, a roster full of super utility guys, so it it's, makes it even harder to justify. But we are going to nix the, the, the rules changes in the minors, you know, with the shift and whatnot. That, that's a pretty deep topic, and I, I don't want to rush through it. So we'll probably save it for 
the next show at this point. But any uh, final thoughts as we wrap? Yeah, I mean, for me, I ended up having a really good interaction with um, one of our fans on Twitter that I ended up not mentioning last time and I forgot to. So I I didn't tell him I was going to shout him out. But for uh, Doug, I'm I'm shouting you out, sir. Uh, I appreciate our conversation. I thought that was awesome. You know, for our fans that are listening, man, you guys have questions. You got some concerns. You have some issues. You're upset with something that uh, Andrew said. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, If you're upset with anything that I said or Terry said or Job or anybody like, let us know. Like, I I love the feedback. I love talking with you guys. I have so much fun interacting with you. Um, I've personally made a lot of Twitter friends with people who are not necessarily Red Sox fans. And that's totally cool. Like we bond over one thing. We bond over baseball. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. So I uh, appreciate it. Uh, and Doug, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder, Charlie. I was going to say, uh, after last show, I, I made the mistake of mentioning Charlie Morton as a left-handed pitcher, which is a, a typo, <laughs> on, you know, a mistake on my part. And uh, I was called out on Twitter by one of our listeners as well. And we went back and forth about the lineup and we had like a 25-minute conversation. Um, between me and three or four other people on that thread, that's I love to hear that. You know, I, I love the feedback. It keeps me on my toes. And as we get into the season, I, I love seeing people engage. Um, it's going to be a long three weeks, I think, um, as we wait for opening day. But I'm excited to hopefully get on here a couple more times as we get closer. And then uh, at the end of every other series. And hold us accountable. Anyone in the audience, I think we're all capable of uh, owning up to it, as Job has, as I will, dozens of times in the coming seasons. But but we do definitely do appreciate the interaction. Write us a review on iTunes as well, if that's what you listen on, because that helps immensely. It makes us a lot more visible. And we are very visible. I... I don't know if how many of you might have heard the last show, but I did open the show kind of thanking everybody. And I'm basically doing that again right now. We do appreciate uh, your listenership, the interactions and um, you know, we're, we're all pretty uh, accessible on, on Twitter anyway. So especially Charlie, but oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So for the listening audience, we will probably be back on Sunday night to discuss probably why we hate Garrett Richards even more and whatever other issues uh, crop up throughout the week. Hopefully good issues, but we will cover. Can we we get a Garrett Richards like theme song outro for like, I'm going to get a track going for all the times Garrett Richards like gives up a home run. I'm going to keep track of it. I'm going to make a nice long outro segment for the end of the season. Get, the end of this season, we're going to have a nice long episode where it's just a, li- a listening to Garrett Reich- uh, Richards cough up home runs. It's going to be fun. Get with uh, Brad on that, and we will whip something up. So for the listening audience, we'll see you at the end of the weekend. Take care. <laughs>